Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We have a very good show for everybody planned for today. Jamie Thomas from Winnipeg Jets TV and their insider is going to be joining us a little later in the show to look at the Central Division. Uh, it is our Central Division preview show. Uh, we got to go around the league and hit the Vegas lane before Jamie pops in with us. So uh, let's get right to it. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Glad to be back. Uh, third week already. Our third show of the year. Yeah. Um, check out on BlogTalkRadio.com. Uh, you could find uh, there. The quickest way to find our shows are on Blog Talk Radio, and um, we have the Metro preview with Mark Shike, who's a big, big friend of the show, and uh, he's tremendous. He breaks it down for us uh, on the Metro, and we had. Uh, Teal Town's own uh, Chris Stores, so he broke down the Pacific. So uh, if you missed this, those two shows, check them out, and we would also greatly appreciate it. Uh, pass it along to your friends and or, or the t- Twitter universe. But uh, I guess we're going to jump in on the Vegas Lane, start with Mr. Shea Theodore, because that's still a, a very big story of what's going on. Still unsigned, as we were just talking off the air. Haven't heard Boo. In terms of term or in terms of what he's looking for, what the team's looking for, heard a little bit more so on the William Nylander front, which we'll get to in the next segment. So it's hard to gauge where this is at other than, you know, there's been a couple of stories saying both sides really aren't close. Uh, But that could change. That could change rather quickly, uh, especially if we're talking about a bridge deal. So I think... I would think if it's taking this long that a long-term deal has been discussed because those are more complicated. You know, how do you, you know, when that's that you're delving into a player's potential, the market potential, where the market's now, how many years of securities. There's a lot more, there's a lot more things to consider from both a player and an organization standpoint. You're talking about a two-year deal. You're kind of looking at a lot of the other players young NHL defensemen out there. And I guess I'll, I'll leave this to you, Mark. But the the thing that's a little bit of a, uh, a d- the debate about Mr. Theodore between h- himself and his camp and his agents and, and Vegas is Vegas is like, yeah, you, you've been, you know, you had a great year last year, but you know, you've only played 114 games in the NHL. And I guess his camp's like, well, that's true. You know, some other guys have played more games than us, like Darnell Nurse, is, I forget what his number is, but, but you know, he's also, Shady has also played much better. His quality is uh, much higher than a lot of these other guys. So, you know, you know, now he's a restricted free agent. The way he was used on his entry-level contract is not his fault. And um, so, I, you know, so there's a, there's a few <laughs> things going on here. And, uh, but... I would say over the next week or so. I mean, we're not we're only a couple of weeks away from uh, opening night. Uh, opening night is October fourth, so I'd like to see this get resolved, especially with Nate Schmidt out the first twenty games. October fourth being my brother's birthday, so shout out to my brother Rick oh. up in Oregon. He gets to kick off the NHL season on his birthday this year. So, um, great. little sidebar. Uh, Older brother, by the way. I'll just get that in there, too. Um, he's going to yeah, well, a couple – he's going to be a Vegas fan or a Seattle fan a couple of years. But anyway, go ahead. So what do you what um, do you think about Theodore? I, I, I was doing a comparison, and 
and I, th- I think it's reasonable. Um, Colin Miller is just coming off his three-year deal, and he got re-upped for 3.875. Last year, he had 10 goals and 41 points. Shea Theodore had six goals and 23 assists, 29 points. Um, Colin Miller has been able to get into the lineup for 185 games in that time, and I think you, you said Shea Theodore 114 career? 114, 100, yeah. 114 games. Um, I think it's safe to say Colin Miller's probably a little bit faster. Um, maybe has a little bit harder shot. Mm-hmm. A little bit, little bit more experience. I think we know who Shea Theodore is at this point. I think there's a little bit more growth in the player, but I, I think we know who he is and who he's going to be. I think, I think Colin Miller's a little bit more defensively reliable. Um, played all 82 games, so he's durable. I think the comp- the, the the one comparison you have, and and and, and we saw Shea Theodore make some big mistakes in some key situations in the playoffs. Right. I I think the the one argument on Shea Theodore's side is that everyone looks at him as having a, a much higher ceiling uh, as a player, and, and I know one of the guys in town, one of the local radio guys, Brian Blessing says that it, within a couple of years' time, you're going to see Shea Theodore be the number one defenseman for the Knights and that he's going to be there for 10 years. Um, we've seen young players not reach that potential. Um, just with my general manager's hat on, I'm going to not pay for pro- potential. You're going to earn your contract, and then I'm going to pay you, and then you're going to earn your contract, and then I'm going to pay you, especially if the player isn't eligible for arbitration can accept any uh, offer sheets and, and really has, has no leverage whatsoever. Um, if, and, and like you said, we don't know what terms have been offered. We don't know um, right. salary offers or anything like that. But if, if just as a comparable right on your own team with Colin Miller, if you're trying to get your, your $5 million deal after what you've done and your I don't think Shea is worth that right now. He may end up yeah, being worth eight or nine million dollars, but if he's, right, if right. if they've offered him a similar deal to the Colin Miller deal, maybe even less. If they offered him, let's say, what what did we talk about earlier in the week? Uh, Nurse or Perico got, got three point two, two. Yeah, he got a two through two years, and that's the key. If I was if I was Theodore, I mean, I would even be because I think Colin Miller took a four year deal. I was yes, he did. Shea Theodore and his his agent and felt the way Brian Blessing uh, felt in terms of his potential and going, you know, going to be has an excellent chance if he stays healthy to be a first pairing defenseman. I'm looking at a two-year deal here. That's why I'm just surprised it's it's been this complicated all summer. I know things have been a little bit different this year compared to other years. There's been a few guys where it's taken longer to sign and there's still a few guys, maybe four prominent players in this re- restricted free agent class without arbitration rights still not signed, so that's a trend that might be a new trend coming into the league. But having said that, I mean, I just I – I'm just surprised that both sides can't hammer out and get common ground on a two-year deal. You know what I mean? I, I just – you know, two years, whatever, six million, six point one, six point two, whatever. That's, I'm just that should get surprised. it done. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised from both sides that, you know, again, I mean, it's not my money. And it's a lot of 
<laughs> money, you know, but uh, for the common person, but you know, the difference between six three and six five, it's two thousand uh, dollars. But um, I'm just surprised that they, they haven't, you know. And again, I'm just based on a few stories here and there. They don't see everywhere you read it. Just they don't seem to be closed, uh, which doesn't make sense to me unless they're talking about a very long term deal. And and honestly, if you that, if they have that much of a difference of opinion, then a long-term deal at this point in time probably doesn't make sense, you know. Then, then, then yeah. it's like, okay, let's do a two-year deal, and we like you, you like us. We have your rights for the next four years, and you know, go show us, and you know, and then we'll be in a position where we have to give you a, a big deal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, William Carlson signed the one-year deal for five, yeah, exactly. five and a quarter or whatever, and, and he, he says, and "I'm gonna do it him. again, and you're gonna pay me." And yeah, right, exactly. And he had a tremendous year last year. To say the least. Yeah, a, a little bit better than Jay Theodore. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, so if he's if he's willing to bet on himself and give up a year of, of his free agency or whatever, um, I, I don't think a guy who really – I mean, he's proven he's an NHL player, but I, I, just because you're on an NHL roster doesn't make you worth $5 million a year. It doesn't make you worth $3 million a year. Um, to come off your 860000 dollar a year deal and 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 we don't even know which side's playing hardball low ball whatever right um so it's yeah, i don't want to get too, too i don't want yeah i don't want to critique the player and i don't want to critique uh the the club right. here. um i i think there's critique for both of them that, that yeah. there should be a deal in place by now um one thing to notice the the agent for shea theodore is also the agent for william nylander uh, it, coincidence, they're both holding out. Um, maybe, maybe. Uh, also, the oh, agent for Eric, Eric Carlson. So oh, that would be much he, more he's been he's been pretty busy. Um, yeah, but he has you, still, been. you still have to get your clients under contract. Um, yeah, and also too, last point for me on Theodore is, you know, when Nate Schmidt out the first twenty games, I mean, there's a real opportunity to stake his claim right out of the gate. Sure, to being you know, first pairing minutes on the power play, things of that nature that would only behoove him in terms of his season, his stats, and i.e. his next, you know, his next contract, which he's hoping will be a a very, very lucrative one. So um, the other other thing he's doing is giving opportunity. Uh, They did send down Zach Whitecloud, uh, put him on waivers for the, you know, he'll be going down to the, the AHL, but you're giving an opportunity to Eric Brandstrom, who's been pretty good in his first. He's played all three games so far. Goal and assist in the first game. Goal and assist in the second game. Did stayed off the score sheet in the third game against the Kings, but was was pretty steady overall defensively, playing against um, Kopitar, Brown, and Kovalchuk, who were who were were on the ice. Um, so that, that that's a kid with opportunity, and and so far. The the reviews from the camp have been very good on Brandstrom and with White Cloud going down, I, I almost right now I'm willing to say, um, regardless of Theodore signing, that the the kid might be there for the for the nine game cup of coffee coming out of camp. He's the only yeah, thing that I that my eye test shows me, and he's answered it a couple of times. Um, he's five ten one seventy five. And he looks like Jonathan Marsh is so out there. I'll tell you what, he, he for a defenseman, he he he's, is undersized. Um, 
and and let's just face it, if if Bufflin or or Lucic or some you know one of the bigger power forwards in the league comes down and parks in front of the net, it's going to have to be on his defensive partner to move that guy out of, out of the crease because I don't know if he has the strength to do that. He, now I, I've seen him in a couple plays um, take it in the corner without getting knocked off his feet and use his speed and skating to get out of the way of of the hits that were coming, and I've seen him hold position in the high slot as players were coming down in into the crease area and stop that player's progress. But once the player stopped and parked, I don't know if he has the strength to move that guy out of there. Probably won't be his role. Um, but he's a- even answered a couple questions about his size from, from some of the games that I've seen so far. So um, but with Theodore out, that's giving more playing time to Branstrom, and he's certainly taking advantage of it. Yeah, and the other point I want to hit on – before we get go around the league a little bit, is um, uh, you know Vegas obviously where they're situated, they're going to have more of the longer road trips as we saw last year. That's true for all the Western uh, Conference in the Pacific uh, Division uh, teams out there. So interesting enough, the season kind of starts out that way. They, they we like we said, the first game's October fourth at home versus Philadelphia, and then immediately the team goes on a five-game road trip to. Minnesota, Buffalo, Washington, yeah. Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. So, great, you know, to me, the the way I look at it is, you know, let's you know, let's win the home opener, and then go three and two on the road trip, which you know, I know they're playing Washington and and and, and Pittsburgh, but let's go three and two on the road trip. We'll be four and two after the first six, and we've already you know knocked out a long road trip uh, off our schedule. Yeah, that definitely has to be the goal. Even if you come home from the the road trip with, um, let's say three, two, two and one, two and maybe. One. Yeah, two, 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 and two and one. Yeah. With a yeah, win at, at in the opener, um, you're still fine. You're not buried at that point in the season. You're, you're right. the sharks. The sharks are gonna get out. I got a feeling they're gonna get out to a fast start and stay there. So you you don't want to get buried in October. Um, it would be nice to have your full complement of defensemen, but one thing this team has always done, and, and you know, always done in one year, um, they do have that next man up mentality. We saw that with the goalies last year. We saw that with Neil and Perron both missing time. Um, guys have been able to step up and fill those voids for this squad. And if, if it's going to be Branstrom and Hunt or Merrill or a combination of three, um, Don't forget uh, Nick Holden, the new the new guy. And so uh, he, yep, Nick Nick Holden. He doesn't really fill that role of what a Nate Schmidt and a Shea Theodore brings. He he's right, more in right. the lines of the the Derek England and Braden McNabb. So yeah. I think he's going to be on that side uh, of the of the ledger. And then you have the right. the the more puck moving defensemen that are going to be vying for those two open spots so if it's defense by committee and, and you, you you play matchups with it a little bit depending on who you're playing and what each guy can bring then uh Gallant's, you know he's shown that that he knows what he's doing obviously with coach of the year awards and his time in florida as well so i think he'll make the most of that situation absolutely so uh Let's delve into what's going around the league. Uh, we didn't get to this last week with everything that went on, but um, uh, very quietly there was a uh, council vote that was seven zero four in terms of uh, the next step and getting the bill, the renovating the building up in Seattle. I mean, it's probably the worst kept secret in the world that uh, the, the the Seattle and whatever their 
team name is going to wind up being is going to be in the NHL over the course of the next two to three years. So, I mean, uh, uh, but they took another step in that regard. Uh, I think the – I wouldn't be shocked by by the – you know, it's not inconceivable that by the end of – before the end of the year, they get league approval. And then at the end of next year, uh, we have an expansion draft. I mean, that, that was how it worked out for the Golden Knights. They – you know, they, they, they went through a year where it, it was – actually, in Seattle's case, it's probably much more expected than it was for Vegas. Vegas, I would say, was uh, a very strong possibility at this point in time. And then by the end of the year, it was more than that. And then within a year, you know, they got approved, and then the, the expansion draft was going to be within the next year. So uh, yep. I, I wouldn't be shocked if a couple – you know, we're a couple years away to seeing Seattle uh, join the league. Well, let me let me just read straight out of an article by Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times. Uh, the Select Committee on Civic Arenas voted Friday to forward a $700 million key arena re- renovation proposal to the full city council for a September 24th ratification vote, which will clear the way for an NHL expansion team to be awarded for the 2021 season. So that's the timeline you're looking at. Later on oh, in the okay, article. So that's two years. Yep, later on in the article. So that's the construction schedule, right? You want it done for the 2021 season. Um, later on in the article, he goes on to say that the uh, memorandum of understanding was reached a year ago this month between the city and OVG, which is the ownership group finalized by the council last December. Days later, the NHL announced that it would accept an application from future team owners David Bonnerman and Jerry Bruckheimer for a Seattle franchise priced at, drumroll, Six hundred and fifty million dollars. So uh, now Vegas is five hundred million dollars. Looks like a bargain, right? <laughs> right, right. The, you know, the, the interesting the, thing about the interesting thing about Seattle is obviously they have to go into the Pacific Division, and the Pacific already has eight teams. So that means somebody from the Pacific has to move out and and really go to the Central. And yeah, you know the the only real can the only contenders for that are not are more where they currently reside are more Pacific uh, they really should be in the Pacific so that's a tricky thing like to, it, to me it's either got to be Calgary Edmonton or Arizona I mean sure, I don't I think know who probably else would be I think that one of the Canadian teams personally I think you want to uh, and that's Phoenix, a, assuming of Phoenix course Arizona, nothing happens in Arizona yeah we're assuming they're going to stay there, but um, right. I don't know if you want to break. You know what? It might be Arizona. They're a little bit. I'm looking at a map. Uh, Arizona is a little tiny bit farther east than Calgary. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and and really, uh, if you're the NHL, do you want to split Edmonton and Calgary being a, right. a Canadian rivalry? You want to keep them in the same division and keep them playing. Um, more games against got, each other every year, so it might be Arizona. Because it's yeah. not going to be, it, it, it's not going to be Vegas. It's not going to be any of the California teams, obviously. It's not going to be Seattle, and it's not going to be Vancouver. That's the rest of no. the position. Yeah. So it's uh, got to be one right of now. Those. I think I'd put my bet on on Arizona. Um, yeah. I, 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 mean, I would agree with that. I don't think they want to split up the Edmonton Calgary thing. I agree. And we saw we saw we had a big uh, retirement with Mr. Zetterberg in Detroit. Uh, the body yeah. is just 
just can't Won't do, do it, it anymore. I haven't been able to find what the cap situation is on that. I mean, I read one story was uh, – I'm a little confused when these situations come up. Um, like, for instance, why is it that Marion Hosa's situation, his whole cap has to be carried – uh, and you know, and Zetterberg uh, still has three years to go at six million. I read somewhere that Detroit would get favorable terms. I but I haven't been able to zero in on what how that's going to play out for the Red Wings in terms because they uh, they I think are slightly over the cap. So I I think they they're probably under the impression that by opening night, given his situation there will be some cap relief and they'll be able to get just sneak under the $79 million uh, cap ceiling. But, um, that's, a, you know, it's a shame to see, uh, his, you know, his career end with, uh, with an injury like that. Sure. You got a degenerative back and, and oh. the, they've told him that if he took a hit, um, it, it could be a little iffy, a little dicey. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's that's, that's so you that's you, don't, you don't you don't want to you don't want to play with that. Um, no, you know he he. The one thing that struck me as a little weird. Um, the I believe it was the GM. I saw the quote was. Uh, well, the player has decided that he's not willing to take the risk to continue playing. It's kind of an odd way to word your thanks to a lifelong player and then division rival long time uh coach quinville it was just it's terrible to see a player like that leave the nhl um he's meant a lot to that team and a lot to the to the nhl in general um we wish him well and everything it sounded like joel quinville was the guy's coach and the quote from from I think it was Holland. Kenny Holland, and I don't want to I don't want to say that without being certain, but I think it was the general manager's coach was just like ah, the player decided that he's not willing to take the risk of of injury playing with with this condition. And kind of uh, <laughs> kind of lukewarm, I would say. It, that just it just struck me as odd that that the Blackhawks coach would be a little bit warmer in his well wishes than, than your own team's general manager. If it was in fact, Holland that I saw the quote from. Yeah. Well, and then we get, but yeah, to, definite uh, hall of famer, definite hall of famer. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, good, good luck to them. I hope they can, you know, medically, you know, save what's left of his back and, and that he won't have any issues going forward. So he does get for sure. Yeah, everyday life kind of thing. Just playing in the national or any professional hockey, hockey league is a different animal, to say the least. And then we get to William Nylander, which uh, makes the Shea Theodore contract impasse, I think, look like a very easy task, in my opinion. Um, here we have a little bit more information from the Darren Draggers of the world. Apparently the Leafs want to be in the six to six and a quarter range. They don't want to go above that. Um, Nylander wants at least last reported he now maybe he's come down from that but he wanted in the $8 million neighborhood and in his case you, you know he, he did, did give a decent argument for the saying of you know last year Leon Dreisaitl became uh, an RFA just like Nylander and the two previous seasons uh, 
Dreisaitl had 127 points. Uh, Nylander, in the two previous seasons, had 122 points. Now, Dreisaitl is the center. Uh, Nylander is the winger. But, you know, Dreisaitl got $8.5 million a year on a long-term deal. Uh, Nylander wanted above eight. So, I mean, not you could say, well, it should be less than, you know, a little bit more than that. But uh, there is, a, you know, obviously the other part of this equation is after signing John Tavares on July 1 uh, for Toronto, uh, they also have Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, who are on the last year of their entry-level deals, and they become restricted free agents next year, granted, without arbitration. And, you know, it's a, it's it's uh, the sticky situation to, to get all these guys. I mean, they can get, they'll get all these guys signed if they want to. The question is, what is at the end when you you know get them all signed? What's the number going to be? Um, they're trying to obviously get them to play team ball, if you will. But you know that's not really their responsibility. No, it isn't. They shouldn't have. They shouldn't have to take less because the Maple Leafs. And I'm not just saying this being an Islander guy, but because the Maple Leafs wanted to go out and sign John Tavares. That's great. They did yeah. that. But uh, wait a minute, why do I have to take two, a couple million less or, you know, because you signed John Tavares? And I'll give you another one to think about. Let's say between now and the end of the year, uh, uh, end of uh, before uh, end the draft, let's say, that the Sharks re-up Eric Carlson for somewhere between 12 and a half and $13 million. Well, you, don't you think that will have an impact on Austin Matthews? And what him and his agent is going to be thinking at that point, particularly if he had, puts up another huge year this year. Um, so even if you, even if they can get Nylander to a number that they like, let's say, they could say, well, Nylander took six and a half. He could say, I don't care what Nylander took. You know, I mean, Carlson just got 13. He's one of the best players in the league. So am I. I expect to be paid in that neighborhood. So it's a very tricky situation tricky waters for Toronto to navigate through here. Um, I believe Nylander's still in Sweden, but he can hop on a plane and and whatnot. So uh, uh, they they have a lot more a lot more to juggle than uh, than than Mr. McPhee does in Vegas. Oh, for sure, for sure. And when one of the things why I, and we talked about this off the air. One of the things uh, Nylander and his agent are probably thinking is that how many cookies are going to be left in the cookie jar if he waits a year. And they do. Obviously, they're they're backing the truck up for Matthews. Um, Marner's going to get paid, and he's trying to get his now because he's not sure what's going to be there later. Um, we well, always he wonder. Could take, he could he could take a shorter term deal, and that could be really profitable for him because after I believe the next go round, he will be a restricted free agent. Let's say he takes a two year deal or even a one-year deal, but then he'll be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, which is a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so uh, I don't know if they're talking – I would think if Toronto wants to go a number above six, that they probably want him on a long-term deal because they're, they're not going to want to have to relive. They want to get these guys locked up and done, you know. Uh, they're not going to have to – Absolutely. They're going to have to worry about, worry about them every two years. The numbers are just going up. And I'll give you a case of point. I was talking to a buddy of uh, ours who's going to be on the show next week, Dan Harrington, during the week, and I said, you know, I mean, Tavares is at 11. You know, so let's say, hypothetically speaking, 
they sign, uh, you know, a Moner and, um, and and Nylander for, let's say, around seven each, okay? So that's that's 25. And, you know, and then they have Matthews, who could get around what Tavares is getting. I mean, they're almost going to have half their team camp money in, in those four players, potentially. I mean, that's that's not easy to put a team together. No, that's what that's when you turn into the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. You're good. Right. You're good for a little bit, and then those other contracts kick in, and your depth starts to go away, and and you end up. And the same thing's happening to the Los Angeles Kings right now when you have Dowdy, Quick, Kopitar, and um, I'm drawing a blank, but um, you you get my point when you when you do resign the core like that, and and you have that much money tied up in few players, obviously it takes away from your depth as a franchise and you're, you're ugh. one player gets old a little bit early, takes a concussion or what have you. Right. It's hard to move on from those kinds of deals. Once those players get into their thirties. And I know we're a long way away from that with Toronto, but what is, well, what is now, with, now with Tavares, what? I mean, Tavares could be 30, I believe next, not after this season. Uh, or what yeah. is he, 20, 20. He's not that far away from being 30. Right. I believe he's 20, recently 28. So he's a, he's a year or two away from being 30 or a year and a half, something like that. Yeah, no, it's a, tricky, it's a tricky situation. And Toronto, the young GM, seems to have drew his line in the sand. What was interesting when he signed Tavares, uh, the Toronto media said to him, well, this is great, but, you know, what about Matthews, Mourner, Nylander? When you add all that up, is this going to be a problem? And he just said, no, that's not going to be a problem at all. We're not going to, yeah, everything's going to be fine. And it very well right. could be, but. Uh, well, and, one you interesting know, note on you, that, you mentioned the Carlson re signing. I saw, I saw something today that um, something in the collective bargaining agreement, if you get traded in the last year of your deal after a certain date, which Carlson did the new team is unable to offer the eighth year until after the trade deadline. So if Carlson wants to sign a seven-year extension, he's free to do that now. But you don't, because of the date he was traded, the, the new club doesn't qualify for that eighth year until after the trade deadline. So that's going to be a little interesting dynamic in the Carlson negotiations, whether they take some of that eighth-year money and put it in the seventh year to lock him up before the trade deadline or – um, obviously you're going to have to have some sort of verbal agreement that he will take an eight year deal before you go past the trade deadline or, you know, just, just a little wrinkle in that Carlson deal that I had not been aware of before. I didn't know if you had, you had seen that. Yeah, no, I saw that. Um, the thing I would think if I was Eric Carlson, and especially given that, um, I, I mean, unless they're going to offer me just a crazy seven year deal, well, it is all crazy, but basically, yeah. I would want to get my feet on the ground. You know, it's a new team. It's a new city for me and my wife. And I just get my feet on the ground and get used to all my surroundings and just go play hockey, you know, between now and the new year. And then and then I'll be better to – look, he knows that the Sharks are a really good team. He's played against them. Granted, they're in the Western Conference. He's been to San Jose. He's, I'm sure he's done his research. It's a really nice area and all that stuff. But get your feet on the ground, around your, you know, get with your surroundings, and and then I think you'll have, him and his wife will have a better feel of, hey, will this be a, a place that, you know, we're going to want to put up our shingle for 
for the rest, pretty much the rest of your career. And quite frankly, it would be hard to. The only negative about San Jose is is the California state tax. But I mean, when you look at in terms of organization, team, media, place to live, all that stuff, I mean, it's a big check mark, you know, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, but you know, that's you know, again, we'll have to see what what he's looking to do. But that's a, that's then, a very good point on your point. And and then I mean, for whatever reason, sometimes guys just don't fit with other guys, you know, that for for no reason at all, and no fault of anybody else's, um, right sometimes people just don't mesh and I, I, I agree with you that I, I don't think he'll be jumping in to sign a seven year deal um, with a possible eighth year on the table um, just by waiting uh, a few months and, and let, you know, find the place check out the area, get the vibe in the room, um, all, all those things and see if they're, you know, one, one thing about the sharks um, and we're, we're going into Eric Carlson radio here for a second, but uh, Jamie Thomas from the Winnipeg Jets is going to be joining us here shortly. Um, one, one thing is there's a lot of age on that Sharks roster, and maybe they have a chance to win this year, next year, and the following year. Uh, there's another team in the Pacific Division that has a core group that's basically 25 to 27 years old that could give them a chance to win every year of that contract. Um, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. So, and, and we know that, that McPhee has talked with the agent and the player. So um, about a deal and what, where the Knights would be willing to go uh, farther down the road. So it, just, just a thought, just a thought. One thing, one thing we up, oh, hold on. I see J.B. Thomas on the line. We're going to go ahead and bring him in right away. I know he's busy. All right. We're now joined by Jamie Thomas, Winnipeg Jets host. Jamie, thank you for taking the time to spend some of your Saturday. I know you're preparing for the game tonight. Uh, Thank you for coming in, sir. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be back. All right, we really appreciate you coming in. I want to before we go forward into this coming season, I would be remiss if we didn't uh talk just for a little bit about the Western Conference final last year. Uh was mm-hmm. this is they came in probably the favorite in the series. We talked uh, before the series and and uh your thoughts at the time were that goaltending was going to play the major role. And I think it's safe yeah. to say that you were absolutely right. Um looking back on the series now, but was that was this more of a of a setback for this Winnipeg Jets team, or or can we look at it as a learning experience, and that they can take that experience going forward and and hold the mantle of possibly Western Conference favorites this season? Uh, yeah, I think there's 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 plenty to learn from that, and um, you know Paul Maurice mentioned that after the exit meetings he has with the players, lots of uh, you know some players he didn't mention names, you know you know questioning should I've done this, should I've done that, which I think is only natural, right? Anytime you're close to becoming successful at something and you know that you missed out on a couple of things and you were so close in certain ways, of course you're going to question yourself. But uh, if you could have you know blocked another shot or should I have shot a little bit earlier. Um, those are the types of things I imagine that went through the players' heads afterwards. And uh, the big message here is now, guys, that 
you know, the players and the coaching staff and management are like, let's, let's move on from last year and, and let's go forward. And uh, you can't blame them, uh, even though that was the most successful season any Winnipeg NHL team has had uh, in the history of the NHL in this city. So I, I you know, while the, the city wants to celebrate it and the media would like to look back at it fondly, uh, I think the players are ready to move on. All right, and then the other the other, the other Vegas connection, uh, Paul Stastny was brought in at the trade deadline, right. um, giving up a couple couple picks, and uh, then then in the off season uh, they 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 moved uh, Armia and Mason, which was uh, you know aesthetically on the outside to free and a couple more picks uh, to free up the salary mm. cap room to re-sign. Stastny and I've called that signing by the Vegas Golden Knights the biggest coup of the trade deadline because there were absolutely no rumblings that Stastny was going to end up in Las Vegas so how does that affect this year's um, Winnipeg Jets team with some of the younger guys coming in to to have to step up and take that center role well no no question about it you know Kevin Sheveldayoff did did have to do some magical movement uh, to make some salary cap space to, to to make the effort to sign Paul Stastny but Let's not kid ourselves, guys. You've seen what the Jets have been doing all all summer long. Is that's trying to sign their own players, right? And it's uh, right. it's automatically look at it and we go, okay, it was all in the effort to sign Paul Stastny. I'm like, no, there's there's a lot more issues that they had to take care of as well. You know, Brandon Tanev, Adam Lowry, just recently Josh Morrissey, Jacob Truba. There was a lot of uh, quote not quote unquote headaches, but there was other issues um, in terms of contracts outside of Paul Stastny. Is it a big loss? Absolutely. It is. Uh, there's no doubt what Paul Stastny brings uh, and did bring to the the line of with uh, Line and Ehlers, you know, just a, a calm voice, uh, defensively responsible, uh, had been, uh, you know, in the Stanley Cup playoffs before us, had a little bit of success, just a well-respected player in the dressing room. But the, the Jets were a very good hockey team before Paul Stastny came to town. And that yeah, absolutely, sure. I've said this before, it's no disrespect to him at all. He's a great player, but they were moving along pretty good. He just accentuated what they were trying to do and did play a big part in them um, advancing the Western Conference Final against Vegas because of his performance in Game 7 in that series against Nashville. It is it is a big loss, but this team is uh, might not have had the space, clearly, to in the salary cap to, to keep them around, and you can never – question somebody for capitalizing on unrestricted free agency like Paul Stastny did. And uh, he wasn't going to get $18 million in, in Winnipeg. Right. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a good move for both clubs. And uh, like I said, they're, they're ready to move on. And uh, it, it, Vegas Golden Knight fans are in for a real tree with Paul Stastny in town as well. Yeah. With Pacioretty on his left side, that's going to look even oh, better yeah. for sure. <laughs> no okay. Well, let's look ahead. Now you, you did mention they're coming off the most successful season, 114 points, um, Western yeah. conference final appearance. Uh, and like you said, it was such a close series. Um, even though it only did go five games that a couple, a couple right. bounces here and there, um, we could have easily been talking about the Winnipeg Jazz playing the Washington Capitals. So as, as the role of up and coming team, changes to possible favorite what do those expectations mean to this club and and are they going to be able to hold that mantle uh i think they will but i also know you know talking with the players and the coaching staff and management again they realize that it's not it's not even just getting to the western conference final and winning it's just making the playoffs because you know you you look around 
the Western Conference and you see San Jose loading up, Vegas loaded up some more. Uh, Edmonton will be improved this year. Calgary's a lot better, I think, in my mind. And uh, we look in the Western, in, in the Central Division, Nashville is essentially the same team but they finished first overall, and it took the Jets seven games to dispose of them. You're certainly going to have to go through Nashville uh, at some point. St. Louis improved up the middle, um, so they're, and, and Minnesota's essentially the same team as well and also another 100-point team. So it's not just uh, automatically the Jets are the Stanley Cup favorite or the Western Conference candidate to go to the Stanley Cup final. It's six or seven teams that have that ability, and you have to be concerned with your own division, as does Vegas, right? So it's just it, – it, I think they're more concerned about getting the playoffs. Um, they don't really want to talk about the expectations, even though that will be brought up wherever they go. We know now not to talk about it, right? It's just now they go to every other city and we'll be asked about those expectations uh, throughout this season. So I, I think they're ready to handle it. It's just so many certain things have to come into play. We've seen goaltenders, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to Connor Hellebuck, but we've seen uh, goaltender allowed three or four more goals than they did the previous year, and their save percentage drops, and all of a sudden you're like, well, what's wrong with this guy? It's just the way hockey is. So yeah. there are lots yeah. of things that have to go right for the Jets to get back to where they were last year and even get to the Stanley Cup final. So uh, their first goal now is clearly make the playoffs. To you and me, it sounds so simple because they're so good and they're, they're a solid hockey club, and it almost sounds ridiculous to say that their main goal is to make the playoffs. But when we look around the Western Conference, it's not going to be that easy for them to do that as well. 100%. And that echoes what Coach Gallant has been saying here to uh, everybody that's foaming at the mouth to get started again. Is uh, look, Last year's gone. Um, this is a new yeah. season. We have some new faces. Um, we're going to show up in game one and we're going to play hard and then we're going to go to game two. And the goal is just to make it back to the playoffs and see how things stack up. And, and that's, that's a good way to handle it. That was their mantra for the Vegas Golden Knights all last season. And it seemed yeah. to work pretty well for them. Um, you did it mention the Blues and the Predators. Um, yeah. Are we, lo- are we looking at a one, two, three in some order from those teams or can a Dallas, you mentioned Minnesota that was, was a hundred point team last year. Um, we're not even talking about the Chicago Blackhawks and, and if, if their best players get on a run and everything goes right, they could fight their way back into the mix in a playoff spot. Uh, St. Louis Blues changes the name of the game in St. Louis. Who would you look at in the division other than Nashville as a team that could come up and challenge for the division title? I, I think St. Louis, but you know, you had sent to me an email about Jake Allen and Jake Allen is the X factor here. You can, you can improve your team up front and you know they're already good on the blue line as it is. They're a very tight uh, defensive team, uh, but I mean, you can't go any further without your goaltending. And if, if Jake Allen is not on there, I think they're in a little bit of trouble. They don't have Carter Hutton to bail him out this year. He, you know, he signed somewhere else and uh, for good reason. And it's, it, it, lay, it lays on Jake Allen's shoulders. And as simple as and ridiculous as it is to say it's on the goaltender, uh, I recall two games last year uh, where the Jets played, where they played against um, St. Louis and Jake Allen was not, you know, as good as he should have been. And it cost the blues two points. And to, to think a team that missed the playoffs by just losing on the final game of the regular season has Jake Allen played decent in two or three of those games. We wouldn't be having this conversation about the St. Louis blues making massive changes. So to me, it's all on him. And it's great that they have improved at the middle because you have to be strong at that position. You have to be in the blue line to, to be successful in the center of the vision. But uh, unfortunately all eyes will be on Jake Allen and St. Louis this year. But having said that, 
to me, it's going to be one of those three teams in in the top three positions. And it'll be a, to me, though, all those three teams, that's your three teams from the Central Division right there that are going to make the playoffs. Then we'll figure out the other uh, wild card teams on top of that. But I, I can't see how anybody outside of St. Louis, Nashville, and Winnipeg aren't in the top three this year in 2018-2019. Hey, Jamie, it's Chris here. So I want to talk a little about, about the, the Avalanche. And, you know, I think they made some nice under-the-radar moves this offseason, uh, you know, adding a Matt Calvert or adding an Ian Cole, obviously the trade for Grubauer, get a little bit deeper and stronger in net in terms of their one-two. Um, you know, is this a team that you think is capable, especially if it's a team like St. Louis, if Jake Allen is, you know, when you hear back issues, you get a little nervous. And obviously, you know, when Jake Allen's really good, uh, he's really good. He's like the little girl with the curl, right? So yeah. is Colorado the type of team that, that could, you know, make some noise that no one's kind of talking about? I think they can, but to me, Colorado is still a one-line team, right? Where St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Nashville can come at you in waves. Uh, Nashville is so deep on their back end. Uh, I I like certain players on on, on the roster of, of the Colorado Avalanche, but I just don't think they have. You know, they have Randon, they have McKinnon, uh, Landis Cog. That line is one of the best in the National Hockey League, but I just don't think. You know, Tyson Berry is a nice player. Ian Cole's a good player, but are they? Are Eric Johns is a good player, but are they as good as the Jets' top four or or uh, Nashville's top four? Certainly not. So I I appreciate what they've done. They had a good run last year, but now they have Philip Grubauer. Can he take over where the the Avalanche had problems with it, and that was consistent goaltending? Like Simeon Varlamov is one of those that will play great for a week, and then will disappear. He had injury problems last year, so it, it it a lot is on Philip Grubauer's shoulders. But I still think Colorado is at that point where they're still developing and they still need that second strong second line uh, in order to contend in the central division. Will they contend for a playoff spot? Certainly. I, I just think this is that time where the avalanche will take a small step back uh, this season. I got two more for you. One on the stars and one on the Hawks. And for sure. On the, on the stars, uh, excuse me, on, on the wild, not the stars on, on the wild. Yeah, no is, it, uh, is it, I look at the wild and I say, you know, in, I like the young talent coming on board, coming on, coming up. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, they're still very young, and I like the experience. But they're getting a little bit older. I mean, does that is that mixture just right, or is it is it a case of uh, it's too soon for the young guys and it's going to be too late for the old for the older players? I I don't know what to make of the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, Minnesota. Like they, they made some little additions here and there, but it's still the same team. And now they have talent, but Zach Breezy and Ryan Stewart have to stay healthy all year. Zach Breezy is, you know, before he got hurt in game three of the series against the Jets in the first round of the playoffs, he was by far Minnesota's best player. So he, he's, you know, he had injury problems all through last year, so he has to be playing well. To me, they're not, they're, they're not much different. It's all, it relies on Devin Dubnik. They have to play strong defensively. Bruce Boudreaux is trying to get some more offense. Eric Stahl has to put up 80-plus points. But, so that it's not any. there's no magic or there's no uh, mystery to what this team is. It's just that Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter and the older players, Mikael Granlund's not older, but he has to take, you know, be a little bit better this year. So to me, it, it, it is Parisi that's going to drive this train uh, this year, but they're not much different. So I, I think, they're, again, you can't. 
look at a team that had 100 points a year ago and say they're going to fall back and they're not really a, a playoff contender. I don't think they're a Stanley Cup contender. I, I do think that they're not good enough overall through the roster to compete with those top three teams that we've already talked about in the Central. Yeah, and then, and then Jamie, before I let you finish off with Mark, I want to hit on the Blackhawks. And it's yeah. hard for me, especially in this division. I mean, you could make an argument if a lot of things came together, if they were in any of the any of the other divisions, that they could be in the playoffs. But given the not so much the age, but the wear and tear, given uh, of a lot of their key players, given you know Corey Crawford, uh, God bless him. I mean, I hope he's. It seems like he's doing better, but he's still having health issues. It seems. I mean, and, yeah. and you know, if, if they were to ever even lose Patrick Kane for a month, um, it's hard for me to see Chicago being anything other than a lottery team. They just don't have the depth. Um, uh, I know I'm throwing cold water on them, but last year was a rough year. How do you see them? Yeah, I I, I thought Chicago was going to be a playoff team last year, and it clearly was, the you know, they, they were hanging in there. But then they lose Corey Crawford December. He doesn't come back, and then they just completely fall apart and you miss the playoffs uh, for the first time in a decade. It's hard for me to look at them and go with the players that they have that they're done. But it's I can't believe that Duncan Keith is 35 years old already. And uh, ben, Brent Seabrook, I covered him in the Western Hockey League in Lethbridge uh, before he was drafted. Now all that time has gone by so quickly with him as well, and he's lost a step. So those are your you used to lean on those guys for. 25 to 30 minutes a night, and that would be that would be the story. Uh, they're thin up front, and then they go. We ride back on the goaltending. If Corey Crawford isn't there, uh, I know Cam Ward very well. Won a Stanley Cup with uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, but his best days are behind him. So I think Chicago is the easiest thing for me to say would be last in the Central Division. Then uh, just because of how many question marks they have, too young up front. We don't know who they are past their you know on the third and fourth lines. And just so many question marks on the blue line. So uh, Chicago, to me, is is, is going to miss the playoffs for a second year in a row. Uh, hard to believe, but the, I think the rebuild is, is soon soon on the way. Whether or not that's with Tays and Tane, uh without those two, hard to say with their contracts being moved anywhere else. But uh, this, this will be another tough year in Chicago for the Blackhawks. Well, what triggered me on the Blackhawks, and we're talking with Jamie Thomas from the Winnipeg Jets on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, um, when they moved Panarin in favor of, of Saad and bringing Patrick Sharp back into the fold, at, at, and then, trust me, I'm just an idiot podcaster from Las Vegas. I don't they, the, the brass in Chicago has forgotten more hockey than I'll ever know. But when you do that and you have a young, dynamic player in Panarin, and, you're doing, and you move him out in favor of, of getting older, and, and I, I just – at the time, I really didn't like that move, and now I, I really don't like that move. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I just didn't get it at the time. Um, and, and and now, I mean, we'll see what happens with him in Columbus, and it looks like he might be looking for a way out of Columbus too. But I, I didn't get that at the time. One more thing, real quick, before we let you go, sir. I know you're busy getting ready for the game tonight. Edmonton's coming to town. Um, yeah, there's a couple of players, and I'm going to butcher their names because I don't know them. But Nick Baton and Jack Roslovich. Um, they might be asked to yeah. step into the starting lineup, and and I'm just wondering how they look in camp this year and what they're going to be able to bring to the table for this Winnipeg Jets team. Well, the funny when you mentioned about Paul Stassi, right? He he's a departure in the second line, so Brian Little slips back in there. 
Now, there's questions outside of the organization. Is Brian Little the right fit for Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Laine? Uh, those three have proven chemistry. Some people are pushing, not me, uh, Jack Rosovic, uh, who was named the American Hockey League All-Star game last year, didn't go because he was up with the Jets. Uh, he's back in his natural center position. Now, they have him on a line so far in training camp with Matthew Perot and Christian Veselainen. Uh Christian Veselainen, of course, a kid that was drafted in the first round of the 2017 draft. That line looks to have some pretty good chemistry so far. So Roslovic will be a key part of what Winnipeg does this year in their bottom six forwards. Will he play one day with Patrick Laine and, and Nikolai Ehlers? It's hard to say, but Paul Maurice did say, we got to see what this kid can do before we hand him the, you know, the keys to the car uh, with right. Laine and Ehlers, which is fair. Uh, you have three very young players on one line, so that that, that gets kind of tricky sometimes. So um, he's going to be key. Nick Patan has had lots of opportunities. Unfortunately, uh, Nick just recently lost his father, um, so he is on uh, extended leave from the club right now, so we're not quite sure how that fits in. But he's he's in the plan. Uh, I'm not sure if he would have made the big club at, at the end of things, but he's he's in a place right now where if he, he comes back to the Jets and they want to send him to the minors, he has to go through waivers first. So that changed a lot of things what the Jets want to do. So I, I think he was in the running uh, for one of those spots for the uh, on the opening day roster, but we'll see how that, that shakes out. But uh, uh, tough times for Nick Patan, but hopefully he can get through it and uh, get ready for the hockey season ahead. But we all know how tough that would be for any of us if, if that was to happen to us. Yeah, definitely. Condolences to the Patan family all around for sure. Um, well, well, what, one thing uh, Chris mentioned was that it, about – about Minnesota was it was a case of the old guys being too old and the young guys not being ready yet and, and a bad uh, perfect storm there for them. One thing I see with Winnipeg is that the young guys are coming and they're ready to go and the yeah. veterans on the team aren't too old yet. So uh, everybody no. look out for the Winnipeg Jets in the Central this year because it seems like management there and the pipeline is, is coming at the right time and the veterans are still at, in their prime and the Winnipeg Jets are going to be a force to reckon with in the 2018-19 season. Trust me on that. Jamie, thank you so much for your time today. We're going to let you go. Uh, we'll be talking to you down the road. We appreciate you coming on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the hockey season ahead. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. So Thanks, much. Jamie. All right. Make sure everybody follows Jamie Thomas on Twitter, at JamieThomasTV. Uh, we appreciate him giving us time on game day, no less, to uh, come in and look at the Central Division. Um, some pretty good insights from Jamie. He's up close and personal with all the all the all the teams out there. Um, he's saying he's saying Nashville, Winnipeg, and St. Louis. Um, what yeah. say you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we didn't even get into Nashville because they're such. I mean, they're such a given, right? I mean, we know what yeah. the Predators are. The roster's pretty uh, much the same. Yeah, they keep on defense. Uh, they're deep. They're, with, they're, they're killer on defense. They're deep on defense. The talent. They they throw four really good lines at you. Uh, Pickering is getting a little bit older, but yeah, he's but he's been nominated last season. So you got a top coach in Laviolette. I mean, yeah. last year was a, a a big disappointment because you know two years ago they got to the Cup final and you know a lot of people felt they would get back there or they were the favorite at least to get back there. And you know, again, they lost to a very talented team of Winnipeg. But you know, to get uh, if I remember correctly, they got blown out in game seven at home. Yeah, five uh, one. Five one five one, yeah. Um so that's gotta you know, leave the taste in your mouth. Yeah, so they're gonna you know, but clearly it's hard to see not Winnipeg and Nashville one two in some combination. Um 
you know, again, as long as they get good goaltending, you have to think St. Louis is going to be there uh, in that in, in the top three, probably number three. I mean, you know, they had a very aggressive offseason trading for Ryan O'Reilly uh, in a big trade. And yeah. then on top of that, on top of that, you know, signing uh, Maroon, signing uh, ex-Golden Knight David Perron, and signing from the Maple Leafs uh, Tyra Bozak. So, I mean, that's a whole third line right there, which is a heck of a third line. And they're already deep on defense. So that would be my one, two, three. I'm going to go with Winnipeg. I'm going to go, what the heck, I'm going to go Winnipeg one, Nashville two, and then St. Louis uh, three. And then I guess to round out my wild cards in the West, I'm going to say Colorado is going to be one of those, one of those wild cards. And your L.A. Kings, I, I, I'm kind of concerned about another team we didn't talk about and, uh, enough with just not enough time. The Dallas Stars, obviously they have some top-end talent, but uh, I think they they also, you know, after their top five or six players, there's uh, uh, quite a difference in depth. So uh, uh, I have to I have to wonder about that. Obviously, signing kind of Tyler Sagan to the extension. You got Sagan, you got Ben, you got Rodroff, you got Klingberg. Still have a young defense there. Uh, ben Bishop has got to for them to make the playoffs. You know, last year, I believe he played in. I want to say a little for 50 games, uh, 53 games. In fact, uh, they're going to need him healthy and strong for at least 60 to get into the playoffs. And you know, uh, Ben Bishop's a terrific goalie, but uh, the injury bug is seems to get him for periods of time every year. So uh, that's who I'm going to go with in, in the central. <coughs> Excuse me. The problem I have with St. Louis is that, um, and, and you you know my feelings on, on cohesion and chemistry in the locker room, and to have eight guys off of that roster last year, Berglund, Brodziak, Carter Hutton, Vladimir Sabatka, Stasny left at the deadline, and then the, the the prospect that went to Buffalo, Tage Thompson and Scotty Upshaw. And then, you know, Britt, Shane came in last year, and now you're asking, you know, you went through him um, to step in seamlessly. That's always a challenge, it seems like, more so than, than a lot of people would Although think. Although, keep in mind, Perron did um, – he was with St. Louis two years ago, was he not? And he was claimed to Yeah, this is actually his – it's his third go with the team. Third, third oh, go right? Oh, third. Yes, sir. Third I believe so. Yeah. Um, so I just – I'm always leery about about them. We saw a yeah. couple of years ago, we thought Dallas had made all these changes and they were all fired up and ready to go. And and it was the year after that they had made the playoffs and, and they missed the playoffs. And um, I just – I worry about that, especially – if, if you get unsettled in the back end a little bit and, and there are questions about Jake Allen and consistency, um, how, how soon does frustration set in? Um, I'm going, I'm, I think Nashville. Yep. Uh, this, this is a tough division. I think Nashville is, is built more for the regular season style of play. And I think Winnipeg's built more for the postseason style of play, if that makes any okay. sense. I, I think, I think Winnipeg has a little bit more physical element to them that lends itself more to the playoff success. Um, and I think, you know, it, it came up in the in the playoffs last year. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Nashville to uh, win the division. I'm gonna take Winnipeg second, uh, and that's a one point differential. I don't have 
Nashville running yeah, away. Go with it. Way. I, I, I'm flipping the coin really, but just style right. of play and and I, I, now Patrick Line could pump in 50 goals, and, and Kyle Connor can can throw another 35 on top of that, and and then they're right there offensively with Nashville. I just give a little bit of an edge to Nashville. Um, there are going to be youngsters like like uh, he said Roslovich is going to going to take up one of the bottom six center lines. So that's we're going to have to see how that plays out. Um, who I really want to put Dallas in third. Um, I, I don't know though. Uh, they, I mean, you definitely I'm, you definitely make an argument for it. It, it will be keep in mind that third head coach in three years, whatever that. Yep. Part. Yep. And, and then, but it will be a young head coach that going from. The old guard, you know, two years ago they had Lindy Ruff. Last year they had Ken Hitchcock, and uh, now, now they now have uh, Montgomery. So uh, right. from the University of Denver, former he's NHL going player, to play. Too. Yeah, yeah, he and and he's going to play a much different style than you saw out of out of Dallas last year. I never thought Ken Hitchcock was a fit for that group. The way the 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 personnel is put together on that, they're a speed, skill, up and down, north south kind of a team, and and ben Hitchcock's Bishop's more. More of a station to station type thing, right. and yeah, Bishop's got to play like he did in Tampa. He had a bad season well, last year. Well, they're healthy. Yeah, as long as Ben Bishop is healthy, his quality of play is not an issue. You I know mean, what? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I'm gonna put Dallas okay. in third place in that division. I think this is a year for them to come back to what we saw a couple years ago. Um, I, I just don't like all the change. St. Louis on paper looks great. Uh, I, I'm certainly not disrespecting St. Louis Blues Nation. Um, it's just change always takes, you know, change got Jargalant fired after 23 games in Florida because the front office wanted to trade away the defense and, and remake it into more of a bruising style defense and move some key players off the defense. And that unit didn't gel in the first 25 games and they let him go. Um, change for change's sake, especially in hockey, when there's so much chemistry involved in knowing where your line mates are going to be and where your defensive pairs are going to get the outlet passes to and, and all of that. Um, if, if, if it takes them a little bit to put those pieces together and get cohesive on the ice um, and Dallas comes out of the gate steady, um, I think they can, by Thanksgiving, uh, you know, have that third spot theirs to lose, I'll say. And, I don't see – I already have the Kings in the playoffs, sir, as far as, as wild cards in the West go. Um, mm-hmm. So we went San Jose, Vegas, L.A. Um, okay. So who are your two wild cards in the West? I'm going to I'm, – I'm going to say – man, I'm stuck between Minnesota and St. Louis. Um, I'm going to say St. Louis does, does, does enough um, – I think the age and, and the depth in Minnesota might, this might be the year they start to take a step backwards. Um, so I'm going to say St. Louis is, is your one wild card. And, and I'm going to go back to the Pacific division and say mm. the Edmonton Oilers wow. take, the, take the wild card spot. I think that they have a chip on their soldier this year. Um, I, I think nurse is going to have to take a step forward. I think Cam Talbot um, plays with a chip on his shoulder and I, and I think Connor McDavid puts his stamp on this thing and and drags that team into the playoffs this year. Boom! I did it. That's a good way. That's a, that's a good way of good analogy. Drags them. I like that. Um, yeah. One thing, quick, quick thing on Dallas, uh, Dallas to keep an eye out for 
Obviously, Miro Hishkinen, the third overall pick of the 2017 draft, has a good chance to start the year with the team, and then we'll see what happens. And they got Valerie Nishkinen, another former top pick. Believe it or not, he's only 23 years of age. Seems like we've been talking about him forever. He, yeah. uh, uh, you know, just did a two-year stint in the KHL, so he's back. Hopefully, he can give them those two young players uh, can give them more depth uh, to the team because that's really, you know, when you, sure. when you have guys like Sagan and Raj. I mean, uh, you know, it's hard to find a better line than Ben Sagan and Rajloff, um, at least. Yeah. yeah, so so to me, a couple of their youngsters like that. And, you know, Ben Bishop last year, 249 goals against, 916 save percentage in that division. That's pretty That's pretty stellar. It's not, but it's not again, terrible. No, it's really, that's really good. But 53 games played, that's not enough games played. Uh, for They need more games. They need about another dozen, uh, not a dozen. I'd say another 10 games out of him. And, yeah. you know, we'll see if his body can... You know, those bigger goalies, you know, they can be a little bit more prone to injury. And obviously he's had, he's had, a, he's had a bunch. So that's well, that will be – uh, um, Heiskanen's the reason that uh, Eric Carlson is not playing for the Dallas Stars this season. That was the piece that they wouldn't give up. So big things expected from, from him. Yeah. No, I think that's pretty accurate. I think that's uh, – I think that they weren't going to do that. And I think that was – if they were – I think Eric Carlson would have been in Dallas. I I I, uh, I agree. I think that's I think that's pretty accurate. So so next week we got we finish up the preview shows. We have we do the Atlantic Division. We have Dan Harrigan. Uh, he's already doing the research. He's excited. Tampa Bay Lightning Insider uh, does a whole host of things on between writing articles and uh, different radio shows that he comes on. So we'll have all those good details for you. And then after that, we have a couple uh, – one of the season will be underway, and we have a couple of guys from the Athletic coming in. Uh, we have Craig Morgan uh, uh, going to break down Arizona because I think early in the year is a good time to talk about the Coyotes and <laughs> where they're at as an organization <clears throat> on and off the ice. And then the week after that, we have Arthur Staple, uh, who's been following uh, – covering the New York Islanders right? forever. Yeah. yeah, so with Barry Trotz and crew – uh, John Tavares is nice. gone, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the Matthew Barzell era, if you will. And, you know, uh, Brian Bellows' kid, ex-North star, Kiefer Bellows, he's, he's making a pretty strong argument to uh, to be on this island of roster come opening night. So uh, so we've got a lot of good stuff coming up uh, over the next three weeks. So we'll break down the Atlantic, which is kind of, kind of feast or fab in that division. I'm sure there's a lot of other teams who wish they were in the Atlantic. Uh, you know, I mean uh, – uh, you know, when you have Ottawa, Montreal, Detroit, Buffalo, it's hard to see any of those teams pushing for a playoff spot. But we'll get Dan Harrigan's, uh take on that. And remember one thing, since we are talking about the Central and previewing uh, the the Atlantic, the Colorado Avalanche own the Ottawa Senators' first-round pick next year uh, uh, for Ooh. the 2019 draft. So that's something to consider. That was part of the Matt Duchesne trade. And, you know, I have right. to say, you know, I'm not saying he did it the right way, but when the dust is settled, as badly as he handled the whole Matt Duchesne thing, when the dust, when the smoke is cleared, uh, yeah, that trade has a chance to be just an absolute, not a home run, a grand slam for Colorado, depending upon where that pick winds up being. 
Yeah, and if and if Duchesne leaves, and and I can't see any reason why he would voluntarily choose to stay in Ottawa as the way things are right. right now. It's a disaster of a trade for Ottawa because the way things ended up, that pick might end up being uh, Hughes, and that would be a nice uh, nice piece to start to rebuild with, and and every every other asset that you gave away for Matt Duchesne. Um, we said at the time, if Matt Duchesne does not sign the deal, um, it's a disaster for Ottawa, and that looks like it's going to come to fruition. Yeah, keep in mind, he got, because it was a three-way trade, he got multiple pieces, Sackick did, from yeah. Nashville and, Nashville and too. from Ottawa. Yeah, yep. so they you know, they, they got uh, Shane Bowers, who was a first-round pick uh, in 2017, in that deal from Ottawa, they got the future first-round pick. Uh, they got Sam Gerrard, a young defenseman, uh, in that deal. Uh, they got a young winger as well. I think there might have been another draft pick as well. So, they, I mean, obviously, you know, no one knew it at the time because when the time of the trade was made, if you go back, obviously, I believe it was last November, you know, I mean, I was just coming off of just missing the Stanley Cup final. So, no yeah. one thought of them as a pure, as a surefire lottery team and um boy i mean that's going to be that's going to be a bitter you know it's a bitter pill to swallow when you're going to have a top pick and you're rebuilding and somebody else owns it that's 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 a tough situation to that's a tough situation to be in yeah no question about it we could do a whole show on ottawa right now <laughs> Ouch. right yeah no yeah it's that's a tough i feel feel for their fans and more trades uh are coming but they're not gonna they're not gonna get a pick that high uh, for the for those players that we talked about. So, uh, all right, all right, sir. So next week we finish up the preview shows and uh, looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Make sure you tune in next week. Follow Chris on Twitter at the NL King. He's a writer for Ion Isles FS. If you're an Islanders fan, make sure you follow him at the NL King for all of his Islanders content and follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod for all of our Vegas Golden Knights content. Until next week, for Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.